to the Ben Armstrong Show, folks. America is past point of no return in the border crisis that we face with open borders. I really think that, you know, as you're going down the road, there are points in which you can return from which you came, but eventually you hit a point of no return. There is no going back you don't have enough fuel to make it back now you've got to find a new path going forward and uh, that's what it is with our border crisis i believe what i'm saying is is that america due to its open borders it truly is in critical condition and even if we were to shut the border down tomorrow completely seal it up and keep it sealed from this point on. We already passed the point of no return. It doesn't matter. You can't make it back to the way it should have been. When Trump was doing it, we still weren't at the point of no return. Why am I saying we're at the point of no return? Because our enemies have taken full advantage of this open borders during the Biden regime. And they have had years to pour in. Our enemies did. And we even know they they let terrorists in. They've let Chinese military men in. We know they're here. We know they've been let in. Under Trump, that wouldn't have happened. So you seal everything up. They're they're already inside. They're already setting up. They they would just adjust their their mission. They're seeing how many they can get in. And at some point they'll adjust their, their mission if they weren't able to get any more in. I think uh, they don't need any more. From the amount that have crossed the border, I, I really don't think you would need any more. On top of just the point of no return economically. You have millions and millions of illegals, even if there aren't terrorists among them, even if every single one came for a job. Look at the strain New York City is having on itself. It's willing to pay people to leave the city. And give them uh, transportation tickets, airplane tickets, anywhere. So long as they're not in New York. Yet New York is a sanctuary city and they ask for this. I don't feel bad for New York. The liberal policies actually affect liberals. It's so funny. Remember, liberals like to propose and put things in place and laws in place for you. But they don't follow those things. Even when they did like the mask mandates. They get together and don't wear masks. That's for you. That ain't for them. Well, New York City is looking at, well, that's for the Republican states and and the border states to deal with. We're in New York. We don't have to. We're not a border state. We don't have to worry about it. So we're going to support it all. Oh, wait a minute. They're all coming to New York now. Lots of them. They're not. I mean, they only have a small percentage, but enough to where it's causing them problems. And all of a sudden. New York can't take it. They have to reap what they've sowed. I want to give you what happened on Bannon's war room, Steve Bannon, Frank Gaffney, talking about the threat of the Muslim Brotherhood. We have the threat of the Chinese. You have the threat of Hezbollah. You have the threat of the Muslim Brotherhood. And you have the threat of Al-Qaeda and all other terrorist organizations. But they're specifically talking about the Muslim Brotherhood here. And... Well, actually, they go into other things as well. Take a listen. 
what is the first step before I let you go? What's the first step that needs to happen to uh, to get rid of the Muslim Brotherhood root and branch in this nation? Well, Steve, I, I think you were on the case when you went into the White House. Uh, we need to understand what we're up against. We need to identify the Muslim Brotherhood as the jihadist organization, Sharia supremacist uh, operation that uh, it is, of course, that it is an enemy of our country. It is not, as Jim Clapper claimed, um, a mostly secular organization that's issued violence. We need, to the point that Sam just made, though, I have to say, we need to think about this as the threat that it is both in its own right, but also combined with the threat of those Chinese People's Liberation Army Special Forces units that are coming here, you're saying in division sizes, all in, and what they represent. So here's my basic point. We need to put this country on a war footing. It's long overdue. We need to be surveilling these mosque complexes and other infrastructure that has the potential to be weaponized against us. We need to be recognizing that uh, that whether it's the Taliban that Biden brought here legally, or whether it's the other jihadis that he's allowed to come in across the border, the Chinese, uh, you know, uh, special forces units, as I mentioned. Yeah, think about that. None of this is by accident. They brought the Taliban from Afghanistan and spread them around America. Our own government, the Biden administration did. The Biden administration has opened the borders and allowed Chinese special forces to come in. They have allowed Hezbollah terrorists to come in, Al-Qaeda terrorists to come in. It's not by accident. They have a plan to bring America down. They just think they're going to do it in a controlled way. As amazing as that is. That's what, this is why I know this is spiritual blindness. How do they not know they're going to their very own destruction? How do they not know? They, it's like they think they're separate. The Biden administration thinks they're destroying you and I because of the Constitution. They can't get around the Constitution. They hate the Constitution. They've realized we just have to destroy America. We got to bring America completely down and then remake it the way we want it to be made. They don't understand there is no remaking America. When you bring it down, it, that's going to be it. And the whole world is going to go into chaos. And that's if you did it in a controlled way. That would happen, let alone you can't control it. If you weaken America, eventually enemies will pounce automatically. You're not the only ones. The Democrat Party isn't the only ones who hate America. Sadly. And... The ones outside of America, they don't care about you, you liberal Democrats. They can't stand you. You think the Muslims who are allied with you to bring America down, you think those Muslims like you? You push homosexuality into their culture? They want to chop your head off. Once they've used you to destroy America, they will come for you. The liberals first, first of all. They will come from for secular liberals who have no belief in a God whatsoever. They will make you submit to Allah. And you will because you don't have a belief in a God, so you'll be too scared not to. But how do you not know that? How do you not see that? How do you not understand that? How does that not compute? How is it that the left thinks they're going to bring America down 
And it'll be like during COVID-19, where everything's shut down and then we can just rebuild it. The Constitution will be gone and then we'll, we'll, we'll work ourselves into the one world government and then we'll, we'll follow the one world government rules and we'll put our conservative friends in prison. That's what they think. The conservatives will all be imprisoned and we will have a liberal utopia and, and join the one world government because we are defeating the conservatives. Defeating America and its constitution is defeating the conservatives. That's in the, they have to do both. So they think, well, we got to bring America to destroy its constitution and destroy the conservatives. So they think they're winning as they see that they're destroying the rule of law in America. And they see they are destroying conservatives with a two tier justice system. They think they're winning and nobody on their side ever thinks What's the consequences of if we get what we want? What happens if America gets that week where we really have thrown our political enemies in jail and the Constitution don't exist and we've caused an economic collapse so that we can reset America? The enemies around the world will sit there and just let us rebuild and take over the world from and, and be the leaders of the one world government? We're going to lead the one world government when their whole goal is to make sure you, the American liberal, isn't in charge. The American liberals are in charge of the world right now. If you change it, it isn't going to be the American liberals. It's going to be the communists in China and the communists in Europe that team up together and possibly the communists in Russia, although I think Russia is going to go to its own destruction as well. So I don't think so. But you're going to have a communist regime, not just the socialist regime, that overtakes it all. And eventually, really, into a dictatorship, which is the Antichrist's final one-world government. But they're blind to it. A little bit more from Frank Gaffney. These are all threats to our, our very existence as a nation. And I think that we have to enhance the resiliency of the myriad soft targets that are here. And I would suggest that um, in addition to rebuilding our counterintelligence capabilities, the topic of, if I may say, a terrific Secure Freedom Minute that I did today, you can subscribe to those every day for free at securefreedom.org. But in addition, I think it's time to activate National Guard units, not only to help secure that border, but also to protect these kinds of assets that if they're taken down, whether it's water supplies or whether it's the grid or whether it's other pieces of critical infrastructure, will take down America. Maybe, as the Chinese like to say, without firing a shot. If they take down our electrical grid, they can really take down America. So you have that threat already within, and we're past that point of no return. That threat is in America, has the capability of doing it already, and is just awaiting the orders. That's what I believe. We're past the point of no return. You could shut the borders down right now. They just need orders. The Chinese special units that have infiltrated America, just need the order from Xi. That's all they need. That's all they're waiting on. Right now, they're fulfilling whatever orders they have in the setup. On top of then, you have the Muslims who might be targeting infrastructure. And all they need is when they decide it's a green light. 
whoever they're looking to to give them the green light that this is the time to do it. It's not that they're not here. It's not that they're not capable. It's that they're just waiting. Maybe they think America's going to get even weaker. Maybe they have some other plans that they're waiting for certain things to happen. And once a certain thing happens, maybe they don't have an ideal trigger point, but something will happen that will speed them up and they'll just do it. I don't know. That's The point is, is we're past the point of no return. You can't rescue the American people from this threat. The threat is there, and it's waiting. And I don't see any way of removing it. None. It's too late. I think the Biden administration has already killed America with its open borders. Already. It's just a waiting game. On top of the threat of everything that's going on with World War III. And us being dragged across different wars. It's all happening at the same time. It's not coincidence. It's all about ending not just America, the Western world philosophy, but ending the Western world. Great Britain will collapse if America collapses. They want Australia to collapse, although Australia is pretty much a communist nation now. Same with Canada, practically. I, I wouldn't even consider those nations free nations anymore. Uh and, of course, Israel. The beacons of the Western world, they want gone. And then there'll be nothing left in their way. But what really is holding them all back, whether they know it or not, is Christianity and the Christians who have always held them back. And once you remove the Christians, there ain't nothing to hold them back. There is no one who's willing to really stand in opposition of this massive force. There won't be. Because people will not have the courage to give their life for no reason. Christians would give their life to stand in confirmation and stand together in holiness with God, in truth with God, and not deny God not reject God, and accept evil. Christians aren't going to do that. But without God as your foundation, how in the world are you going to stand against this kind of oppression? Well, you won't. So if a rapture were to happen, there will be no one truly left. There'll be, there'll be some that become Christian after that point. But overall, you will see a world uninhibited by Christianity. The world will get what it wants. A world without Christianity stopping it from doing whatever it wants. And what will it do? It will create a Marx system. It will enslave the entire world. It will abuse you because it will be survival of the fittest and it will be all about selfishness and greed. And you're a sucker if you, you don't live that way. In their world, that's what it will become. Because it will be a sinful world with no God to be accountable to, or false gods to be accountable to, as in Islam. So Sam Faddis also is talking about this border situation. He doesn't say we're past the point of no return, but I think he thinks we are. I, I would think he has to think that we, we are like I do, but I don't know. I don't know if he thinks we're past the point of no return. I would think yes. 
And I, and I think we've been past the point of no return for a little while. Take a listen. What we're seeing is malfeasance. I think we're seeing folks that have destroyed our border. There is no border anymore. There's no control. And they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, the article you put up highlights the insanity. I mean, we're through the looking glass. In New York City, you literally can be an illegal and now go to an office in the village and they will give you tickets to go anywhere else on the planet that at New York City expense, they will fly you anywhere in the world just to get you out of New York City. I was contemplating earlier today, since I speak Greek, maybe I'd go down there speaking Greek and tell them I need to go back to Santorini, see if I could get some tickets. But all kidding aside, this is horrifying, right? That is a real thing. And you know what? I actually proposed that type of thing when everyone was going nuts, when Donald Trump first was running and all the liberals were saying that they would leave the country. Remember that? And I was dead serious when I told people I created a program that I wanted to pick up and, and it actually got picked up by a representative in Michigan. Uh, a Michigan representative actually proposed it called the Happiness Program. The Happiness Alternative Placement Program for You. That was the acronym. HAPPY. The Happiness Alternative Placement Program for You. For who? The liberals. They're all saying, oh, I want to live in America. And if you hate America, you don't want to live here, we will give you a free ticket anywhere. But I wanted the program to incentivize. Some people don't have the money. It's hard just to pick up and go. So give them $10,000 as well to have liberals leave this country. And I was sincere about it. I said, you could really do this. And people took it as a joke. The representative didn't. He actually proposed it. He knew I, he was like, no, that, that would save America. It would have. And I'm said, I'm, I'm dead serious. If we really did this, there would be liberals that would take, take you up on it. Not all of them. A lot of them were faking like they leave, but there would be a huge chunk that aren't celebrities that you're not even thinking about that are college age students that, that have been brainwashed into thinking that these foreign countries are so much better than America. They would take you up on it. And I said, it would save America. Let's really do it. Every conservative would be willing to pay taxes to pay for it. If they really, liberals were really saying that hate America, oh, then I'll leave America and they'll go live in their socialist utopia. Go live with other socialists in your other socialist nations. Don't change my nation into a socialist nation. Go live with the socialists right now for your happiness. You want to be happy and be with socialists? We're going to pay you 10 grand and give you a ticket anywhere. I was dead serious. And that program would have saved America. But it, it, it didn't get past Michigan. It didn't even get through Michigan, obviously. Back to Sam Faddis. Frank was talking about the Muslim Brotherhood. Let's grab a hold of one group, Hezbollah. I worked against Hezbollah for years. I ran, that means I ran sources. I recruited guys inside Hezbollah, ran sources, took down their operations in some cases, took Hezbollah guys off the battlefield. Let's leave it at that. Um, Hezbollah is a serious group of boys. They have been here for years. They don't plan ops in a hurry. They work years in advance. We know they are on U.S. soil. We have caught them here. They cache explosives, guns, case targets, like, like Pentagon war plans, years in advance. So when the order comes from on high, they can go hit the Empire State Building, uh, the the Freedom Tower, the targets in Washington, D.C., every major American city. We know they have been doing this, and certainly they are here right now. 
this administration is doing nothing to protect us. Yeah, this administration isn't going to protect us. Hezbollah is sitting there. Sam Pettis is telling you. Hezbollah is sitting there waiting for orders to attack. Right now. The border, open borders have strengthened them, obviously. It's past the point of no return. Look at what America is facing. We're facing an economic crisis where economically we could just collapse. We have an immigration crisis where we could just collapse. Young people can't buy houses. So we're going to have a housing crisis. You're, you're going to, on top of, uh, that's all economics right there. On top of the open borders, then you have terrorism crisis. We haven't paid the price for it yet, but will. You have Chinese uh, military and special ops in America waiting to do whatever they're waiting to do, probably take out the electric grid and maybe, you know, water supplies and things like that. Major, major stuff. That's probably what they're looking to do. But they're going to wait until the day of an attack and have it coordinated. They're not just going to do that and then give us a month to get our electricity back online and figure out what happened. And then and then all of a sudden, a kinetic war is going to break out one month later. That's not what's going to happen. They're waiting for China and Russia to be ready to actually strike us physically. And when they know that that's going to happen and they might not ever receive an order, they just might see, boom, New York got hit and they know it's go time, it's go time. Because they might not risk the communication to tell them it's go time in that type of a surprise attack. Who knows? Doesn't matter. The point is, is it's all set up. They have set it up right in front of our face. We conservatives, like a Sam Faddis, have been jumping up and down, telling you, hoping maybe it would be a deterrent, but I knew it wouldn't be. Hey, I see it. Hey, they're coming in through the borders. Hey, they're setting up to attack us. Hey, they're going to do a surprise attack on us at the mainland. Hey, they're distracting you with these other wars. Hey, they're distracting you with Taiwan. They're not going to attack Taiwan and then go into war over there. They're going to distract you with that, and they're going to bring the war right to you. People don't care. Or they don't believe it. Or they're just unaware. Don't be unaware of this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Pray that Jesus returns. You better be. We need to cry out so he returns. I think it matters. He tells us to pray for his return. Why, if that's a useless thing to do? God wouldn't tell us to do something that's useless. I think he wants us to cry out, and he'll answer our prayers, yes, but we need to cry out. Let's cry out. I love you guys. See ya! Hey guys, don't forget to like and subscribe to my dad's channel, otherwise Joe Biden will come in your closet and sniff your hair. Welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show. Folks, welcome back. We have John Smirak as my guest. John, welcome back. Thanks, Eric. 
You've written a couple of pieces at stream.org. I don't know how to characterize them, so I will simply let you do that. But they are particularly important. Please uh, let my audience know what is the essence of these two articles, and then we can go into details. Sure. I was, first of all, there was that debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom that came on, came on last week. <clears throat> and I tried really hard to watch it. I mean, I felt a certain sense of civic duty to watch it because these two people might be the future candidates of their respective political parties. And Ron DeSantis has been a fantastic governor and I think could be a great president at some point. Whether or not this is his year, I don't know, but I I, I think he's a great guy. Um, I tried to watch it. It was just really hard. First of all, you got Sean Hannity taking all 94 of his IQ points and rolling them like dice to see if he gets lucky and something interesting comes out. Because that was not nice, but we're gonna we're gonna let that stand. Go ahead. Well, because Sean Hannity interrupts people, he talks over them, and it's painful because they're saying something intelligent. Wait, wait, let me just interrupt interrupt you here to say something really dumb. But I want to say it at length, at great length, so that people understand that I hear I'm an intellectual too. I mean, that is I literally it's torture. Luckily, I, I've been mostly boycotting Fox News since they helped steal the election in 2020. I've been watching Steve Bannon on Rumble. I'm with you, buddy. I am with you. Totally boycotting so Fox News. Is- I mean, look, well, you know, Levin is fantastic. Uh, anyway, we don't need to get into that, watching but go ahead. Fox, watching Sean Hannity and Fox for me was like going to Target to buy something Disney made that has been endorsed by Pope Francis. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But all right, so I, I tried to watch it. I had to turn it off. I tried again. I had to turn it off. And I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it at the moment. And I thought, this is the kind of thing you need to write about. So I, I processed it. And I realized what bothered me was Ron DeSantis was being a good citizen, good governor, good politician, laying out facts arguments, making truthful statements in a very straight ahead kind of way that in a rational society where people were genuinely trying to follow their reason as to what would promote the common good. Um, in other words, the tr- the way American politics has, has been f- for two- most of 200 years, um, DeSantis would have been rolling over him. It would have been considered a steamroller going over a squirrel. But most of human society, human politics throughout this, the centuries of fallen human man is not people being rational, people being patriotic and self-sacrificing, people thinking about the next generation, honoring the generations before them. Most of, of human hit politics in history has been like street fights. It, it's been like gang fights. It's been like one group of chimps fighting another group of chimps over the banana supply. That is the norm of human politics. Uh, our sort of virtuous civic-mindedness that, that our founders helped create that partly came from England, that is the historical exception. That's the American exception, is that we have been 
able to do something at a higher level than what I call tribalism and feudalism. Tribalism is where it's the most basic political instinct. I need, we need to say that. It's like, think of it this way. If somebody starts doing a home invasion when you're there with your wife and kids and somebody's opening the door and you know that they're going to come steal from you, what motivates you to defend your home from that guy, assuming you do, assuming you're not a liberal Democrat or a rhino Republican, if you let your, if you motive, if you defend your home, your wife and kids from that stranger, what's motivating you is us and them. Us is my family, my people. Them is that guy. Him, not me. Him, not us. Me, fight him. Maybe kill him. That is the most basic political instinct. That is tribalism. Uh, you don't. When someone's trying to break in your house and menace your wife and kids, you don't think. He is violating my abstract right to property and furthermore is violating my right to freedom of association. I will defend my own inalienable rights and those of my family. That's not what you're thinking. It's us, them, us, them. That is the most basic political instinct. And very few societies get past that and usually not for very long. And if you try to run a society that cuts off these basic instincts and pretends they don't exist or represses them, you're not going to last. So watching this debate, I saw Gavin Newsom, he would just lie, he would lie after lie after lie. It was like watching uh, my, my favorite ice performer, Tanya Harding, it was like watching her spin on the ice and do a triple axle and land on, on the ice with that big grin because Gavin Newsom, like, everyone wants to move to California. They're they're leaving Florida to move to California. Um, California rules. It dominates. It's economically a powerhouse. Every, California looks out for the for the little guy. Florida, you're taxing the poor to pay the The only rent. thing he didn't actually say is that up is down and good is evil. He didn't actually come out and say that. But effectively, he did that over the course of the debate. And let's be honest. It is staggering to watch someone lie utterly brazenly. I mean, in a way that we are not used to in America, to see somebody smile and tell gigantic lie after – I'm not just saying this, folks. I mean, this is just where we are, where you have somebody as brazen as Gavin Newsom. There are a lot of people doing it, but nobody does it as well as he does. And let me, let me be clear. It's evil. It's evil, but it's where we are in American politics when you're dealing with a Gavin Newsom. I was thinking he's almost like a stage musician. Like he makes the rabbit disappear and he smiles because you you know, he knows the rabbit still exists. But gosh, that was cool. What are you going to do next, Governor Newsom? Well, first I made California's economy disappear. Now I'm going to transform all the young boys into young girls. With a wave of my wand, abracadabra, transgenderismo, kaboom. So he just one lie after another with this, this like rakish smile, like, you know, this is a lie. I know this is a lie. And even the people listening to me know that it is a lie. And it still doesn't matter because it's still going to work. That's just how cool it is to be me. I'm Gavin. I'm out of here. Uh, and I just, I want I, I was gonna destroy the television system.
preserve my lap, my, my flat screen, I had to turn it on. And I, I just had to think, think it through. I'm like, why? And Gavin and, and Ron DeSantis would bring out these facts like a really good college debater, like somebody from the Harvard debate team. This should work. When you when you prove the person's lying and you read statistics, when you say his own father-in-law fled the state that he governs. And by the way, California is a natural paradise. People are fleeing there to go to Florida, which is a swamp full of alligators. And it's humid, 110 degrees, 150% humidity. People are loving it. They're moving there like crazy to get out of the earthly paradise that California was created to be. Why wasn't DeSantis's uh, performance having more of an impact? Why did I think this is actually not going to help him, damn it? I, I like Ron DeSantis. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like what you're saying, I read the articles, is that, you know, this is like you're playing with somebody who is not playing by the rules. They're cheating, 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 cheating. But you continue to play by the rules as though there's a referee who's going to say, you're playing by the rules, you win, except it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, exactly, exactly. Thanks. So um, I, I did two pieces at stream.org because this took two parts to process. The first one was the scary things I learned about America from the DeSantis-Newsom debate. Um, and what I realized was, uh, why is Gavin Newsom smiling? He's smiling because he knows these lies are not going to be challenged by the New York Times or the Washington Post or the t ca California t TV stations or the major TV networks. He knows when he says Ron DeSantis wants to outlaw contraception. That's an outright ridiculous lie, total lie. It's based on little teensy weensy seed of truth that Ron DeSantis doesn't want the abortion pill, the morning after abortion pill to be available. But that's not contraception. But again, he just moves on. He moves on and the, he, he throws out the little lie. Okay, we got, I'm sorry, we're going to a break. Uh, to sum up, and we'll get back into it. He knows um, he can get away with it. Ron DeSantis uh, is not playing the same game and that's why uh, we need people who are awake to where we are now and to be awake to the schemes of the enemy uh, in the person of folks like Gavin Newsom. We'll be right back talking to John Smirak. Every gal strutting with her bow Through the streets covered white with snow Happy smiles Folks, want to remind you, you, you got to go to metaxastalk.com, click on the CSI banner. Very important you do that. John Smirak, we're talking about your two articles at stream.org. You forced yourself to watch the awful, awful spectacle of the debate between Governor Newsom and Governor DeSantis. And it seems like Governor DeSantis, this is to me, to my mind, a lot of the problem with a lot of people today. A lot of people in the church are this way. They kind of they kind of act like it's 1985. And I'm debating Walter Mondale. And yeah. uh, you know what? NBC, they're gonna fact check Walter Mondale, what he says. The yeah. problem is we no longer live in that world. And what you said is that Gavin Newsom is aware of the fact he can lie through his teeth. He knows that the left, the leftist media will never fact check him and he can get away with this. And why not get away with it? But Ron DeSantis was not up to that. Didn't seem to understand we're living in a new day. And a lot of Republicans 
are kind of behaving this way, like Ron DeSantis. I think it's my image. But when I was watching the debate, I felt like I was watching one of those Disney movie, Disney live action movies from the late seventies, early eighties, where like Dean Jones would be in charge of a chimpanzee, or uh, or a young Kurt Russell would be in charge of a talking Volkswagen, or, <laughs> so, or a washing machine that has talking bubbles that come out of it. And Rhonda Sattis is Dean Jones. He's this nice, good, intelligent guy trying to deal with a crazy, rebellious chimpanzee. It was like Newsom was running around his, his enclosure, <laughs> throwing poop at the walls to see what would stick. And the thing is, he knew it was going to stick because nobody in the media was going to wash it off. And, and the people in the audience, here's what was going on. Newsom was engaged in the most basic form of tribalism and feudalism. That's that kind of basic, basic fundamental level of politics where I said, like, when they're breaking into your house, it's us or them and you're going to fight them because they're not you. They're not you and your family. That basic instinct, it doesn't go away. And it's not it's not intrinsically evil. It's part of our nature. But it's not the most advanced level of politics. It's not principles and ideas, okay? Um, the thing is, Newsom knows the voters he's appealing to, they're just looking for signs that he's leader of their tribe and that he's a strong leader. Oh! He bangs on his chest like a mountain gorilla. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's our man. Him, him our leader. We like him. And the, the, the sad thing is, the people with journalism degrees from Columbia University are saying, yeah, 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 we, we, him. Yes, we, him. But they're doing it with their, they have a thesaurus so they can use fancy words for him, us, we, him, we, we know like other guy, other guy. Okay, so, so the point is that the media is going along with this the tribalist voters. thing. They are no longer doing the job they sort of used to do. That is right. over. And it's why, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Trump, gets this he can play this game Ron DeSantis doesn't seem to be able to play this game right and I don't think it's a it's a fact that DeSantis doesn't understand it or can't intellectually process it it's just not the kind of person that he is if, if we were what if the let's imagine America was England in the year 800 being overrun by Vikings who are robbing and pillaging and raping and burning Ron DeSantis would be like the monk who is writing a chronicle of it and, you know, translating the Bible and doing all sorts of really valuable things. You don't necessarily want him to be the guy rallying the Saxon warriors to fight the Vikings. He's he's operating at a kind of abstract level and he's great. He's just not a wartime conciliary, to quote the Godfather. He's not the culture warrior. On the other hand, Donald Trump is that kind of feudal tribal warrior. He does rally the troops like, are you with him? Are you with me? Ask yourself, are you with him or is with me? Are you with a loser like my opponent or winners like me? Uh, what, so what Trump does, he, he operates at that visceral kind of primal level and occasionally reaches up to, to go to a more intellectual level, but usually doesn't stay there very long. And that resonates with our voters because our political culture has degenerated and become primitive compared to where it was 
20 or 30, especially 40 years ago. If you thought saw the Nixon-Kennedy debates, those were at such a high level. They were like the Federalist Papers. What we're, do, what we're seeing now is like a fight in a guerrilla troop. And I'm sorry, we don't need Dean Jones or a young... Uh, a young Kurt Russell. Kurt I'm Russell. afraid we need we need our own King Kong. And so far, based on his performance in the polls, Trump is our King Kong. One of my favorite movies as a kid was King Kong versus Godzilla. Did you ever see that? Of it course. On, it was on Channel Nine. Channel Nine, King Kong versus Godzilla. And I was a King Kong fan, and other kids <laughs> were Godzilla fans. That is the level of American politics. One tribe likes King Kong. One tribe likes Godzilla. And it, you know who's not never comes out well in those movies? The really intelligent Japanese scientist with the badly dubbed voice. And I'm afraid that's how Ron DeSantis was in the debate. He was proving that, you know, Godzilla will destroy Tokyo. And his lips didn't quite match the voiceover. It's nothing wrong with him. I want to emphasize, I like yeah. Ron DeSantis. And if yeah. I could make, wave a magic wand and pick who would next sit in the White House in two years. If I could just put them in office, it would be Ron DeSantis. He would be my first choice. However, I'm trying to explain why it is that Trump is crushing it in the primaries. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, he understands where we are. Going to a break, talking to John Zmerich. Folks, uh, don't forget Socrates in the City Plus, P-L-U-S, Socrates in the City Plus.com. Sign up, Socrates in the City Plus. Dot com. We'll be right back. Silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time. Folks, welcome back. I've mentioned a couple times SocratesInTheCityPlus.com. We're going to have new programs at Socrates in the City Plus, um, and we want you to know about them. One of them is called Socrates in the Studio where I interview people. It's exactly like Socrates in the city, except without 250 people uh, in the audience. One of those guests is John Zmirak. I've already interviewed John Zmirak for a special Socrates in the studio session. We filmed it in Fort Worth, uh, and we're going to release that, uh, I think, in March uh, or in February. Uh, and we're very, very excited about it. It's just a cool thing. So go to SocratesInTheCityPlus.com, sign up. You're going to – yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't want to get into it now because we're talking about other stuff, but it is so exciting. We've been working on this for a very long time, lots of cool stuff. Okay, so, John, you are telling us, I think, that Ron DeSantis does not have the ability to win, uh, and it was on full display with – uh, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is just a wicked liar, a charlatan. And you, you have to, you know, if you're dealing with someone like that, you, you have to understand they're not going to play by the rules. And a lot of folks like Ron DeSantis and a lot of never Trumpers, I think they hate Trump because, you know, he's not like, I don't know, Mike Pence or he's not. There's something about him that rubs them the wrong way. But the point is that he does share our values, but he also knows how to win. And that's not unimportant in a presidential election. Let's go back to the boxing metaphor. We have a lot of boxers who are pretty good at, at, at doing ordinary boxing with the Marquis of Queensbury rules. The thing is, the Democrats have decided that this is mixed martial arts. And in fact, it's, it's WWE. They can hit people over the head with chairs. They can pull out weapons. 
they they can kick you in the face and the referee the media and the american public to some degree is going to let them get away with it mr so, fuji will reach into his pants and throw sand in his opponent's eyes that's what mr fuji will do and you need to be prepared for what fuji has you know uh and appropriate that you and i grew up watching worldwide wrestling my parents would bring me to see it live at the sunnyside <laughs> gardens with like five thousand people before it was a big deal before normal white white collar people were watching. i watched it on vhf lucha libre it was on spanish tv killer kowalski haystacks yes. calhoun yes, yes. This, this is the level bobo brazil uh we are this is the level of fighting we're talking about right now right but the thing is, if you send out a really good U.S. Olympic boxer into the ring with like the the what who is Haystacks Calhoun, the four hundred pound guy in the overalls, six hundred pound, six hundred pound guy in the overalls, it's 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 hard to watch, um, and so that's but that's what's really enormously frustrating. So I think. Trump's unique appeal is that he understands having been in worldwide wrestling. He, I remember watching him shave Vince McMahon's head. I, <laughs> I thought that was qualifying for the presidency, which shows you what a snob I was. But uh, <laughs> having shaved Vince McMahon's head in the ring, Donald Trump understands worldwide wrestling, that it's partly fake. It's all showbiz. And the people in the audience want to be fooled. They are not there scrutinizing, wait a minute, I think I smell a hoax. Perhaps this is not a legitimate sport. What do you think, Charles? That That is not the audience. That's the audience which loves Ron DeSantis, though. And, and I, I understand it is not boxing. Guess what? Boxing is dead. It's all WWE now. And that breaks my heart because it kind of stinks. You know, I prefer the Renaissance to the Viking invasions of Britain. I prefer the American founding and the Federalist Papers to King Kong versus Godzilla. But I'm afraid we are living in King Kong versus Godzilla. And I want King Kong, not the Japanese scientist, to take on Godzilla. Okay, but we have to make the point that when Trump gets in uh he, he's not going to govern like godzilla or like king kong the point is this is the election he's going to he's going to do what he said he was going to do he appointed three supreme court justices who by the grace of god are in there now they overturned roe v wade uh and they have been uh ruling on all kinds of stuff so so the point is th what i find strange about the never trumpers is they act as though Trump, because, you know, he, he's playing this game, doesn't understand what it means to be president. And, and I think that, you know, in four years of being president with the entire deep state and many, many in his own party, many in his own cabinet working against him, he nonetheless managed to accomplish quite a bit. He made some mistakes, but it really is there's a fussiness. People are like, well, I'd rather lose with Ron DeSantis. And I think folks, I'd rather, I'd like to win with Ron DeSantis, but if Ron DeSantis can't win, do we have someone who can win? And I really feel like there are people that 
They don't care. They would really rather lose with Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. By the way, Nikki Haley is so out of it. She was crushed by Vivek uh, and uh, by Ron DeSantis for her comments on saying that a 12-year-old should be able to transition. I, I don't know if you caught that yesterday, but be able to have sex change surgery, surgical transition. Here's what I say about Nikki Haley. If Nikki Haley were the Republican nominee, I would ballot harvest for any Democrat, including Elon Omar, to stop her from winning. Because Nikki Haley would give us 99% of the abortion and 99% of the perversion and transgenderism and sodomy that any Democrat would. But also she would start World War III. And for the reason that she was broke when she got out of politics and Boeing put her on its board and suddenly she's a millionaire. She has never met a war she doesn't like. So Nikki Haley will sexually transition your kid. She will promote abortion, but she will also draft your daughter and send her to go die in Ukraine or Syria because it made Nikki Haley rich. And that cannot be said of Vivek or of Ron DeSantis. It can be said of Chris Christie. Uh, We're going to a break. Folks, I want to remind you, uh, go to metaxastalk.com. You'll see the banner for CSI. This is really important. Uh, We need to hit it hard. Uh, Anybody who can go there today, metaxastalk.com. It's a beautiful thing. We'll be right back. on your mind well again i did two parts of this piece at the stream the other one was called sorry steve deese identity politics isn't an idol but the bedrock we must build on our mutual friend steve deese fantastic writer wrote the the book that created the brilliant movie nefarious he's a great commentator he's been a solid pro-life pro-family christian warrior for decades he is 100% all in for Ron DeSantis. And at first, I want to say why I sympathize. Donald Trump does and says things that worry me, okay? He'll take photos with Kate, quote, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, if somebody from Black Lives Matter praises him, he'll say something nice about them. He has said bad things on the abortion issue. He has said he would veto the heartbeat bill that Ron DeSantis signed in Florida, if he came up to him as president, Donald Trump has signaled to us that we don't, we Christians don't have a strong hold over him. He's not afraid of losing us and he should be. And that what's dangerous is when your political leader takes you for granted. So we need to wake Donald Trump up to the fact that we could stay home. He's going to win the nomination, but if, if, if it looks like he's going to be a social liberal, if it looks like he's going to let Ivanka and Jared run the, the moral shop of the White House, we're going to stay home and we're going to be like Samson in the temple. OK, so the, with all of that, I agree with Steve Deese. But he wrote a column at The Blaze saying all that, but saying something more, that identity politics, this kind of tribalism and feudalism, this King Kong versus Godzilla thing that I said – has taken over American politics. We've reverted to the norm of, of human history, which is tribalism and feudalism, where we gather around the leader. Uh, Steve Dace De- De- said, this is idolatry. 
This is sinful. This is the first thing condemned in the Bible. We cannot have any idolatry in our politics or God will curse us. And that was just wrong. I, I think it's wrong because I think this feudalism and tribalism, the King Kong versus Godzilla, the Mets versus Yankees thing, it's it's you can't get rid of it. It's the basic level of politics. It's the basement and the foundation of the house. Now, you don't want to live forever in an unheated basement, but you also don't want to live in a house that doesn't have a basement and a foundation. And I'm afraid that high-minded, idealistic people like Stevie's, like you and me sometimes, it's too easy for us to say, we don't, we, we, we're above that kind of tribalism, that kind of identity politics. No, you're not. You know who wasn't above that? Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc rallied the French people to drive out the English who were raping the country. Yes, she spoke about God. She also spoke about your hearth and your home and your homeland. Uh, the American founders even engaged into a certain degree in identity politics. Us against the British, Americans versus the foreign. This is something you can't get rid of. It's like trying to have a zero protein diet. No, you don't want to live on a bowl of protein powder. But if you try living without protein, you're going to waste away and die. And too much, for too long, the Republican Party has been trying a, a zero protein diet. Uh, it's been pretending that we're all that America is just a set of abstract propositions, uh, like the Constitution is a math formula. So anybody who shows up and could do that math formula is an American like us. That is an ideal ideology. That's turning America into something like the Soviet Union, where ideology is everything. And if you don't have part of that ideology, we kick you out of the country or we put you in prison or we cancel you. We kick you off social media. We get you fired. So that's where the never Trumpers were really dangerous and toxic, that they wanted to turn America into an ideological state like the Soviet Union. And that's why they hate Trump. They hate people like you and me. They, they hate social conservatives. They, they really don't care about Christians. They care about their ideology of a country that is it's operated like a math problem. And that's not how America works. John, it's always fun to talk to you. Folks, please share these videos uh, with your friends. Important to get the word out. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Hour two, Kyle Rittenhouse.